Hey, did you know this podcast has a Patreon? At patreon.com slash scarysundayscaries, you can support the podcast for as little as a dollar and get early access to episodes and join in on community posts with all the other hosts and me. Uh, patreon.com slash scarysundayscaries. Get out there and do it. Thanks. People think I'm trolling. They think I'm <laughs> they think it's like a big joke, but I love Halloween in. Sunday scary. Is there like a horror movie that you would love to spend hours talking about, like digesting uh, like theme and character and, and technique? Tyler's probably tired of hearing me talk about my bloody Valentine 81. Ooh. <laughs> hey, I just watched that the other night. So no, man, I love that movie. It's it's so good. Awesome. Yeah, it's great. Well, hey, guys, uh, welcome to Sunday Scaries. It's a podcast about horror movies where each week we take the edge off by doing a deep dive into a specific scary movie and try to find connections between that film and other movies within the genre. I'm Travis. I'm hanging out with uh, Daniel out there on the West Coast. And today we're talking with Blair Hoyle and Tyler Horner of I4I Productions, an indie filmmaking group that has just released a brand new trailer for their upcoming feature, The House Among the Trees. Welcome, guys. Hey, how's it going? Thank you for having us. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. This is awesome. We haven't gotten to do um, a whole lot of inter- interviews yet, and I think we're definitely filling in the gaps here um, of getting the opportunity to talk to some awesome indie filmmakers like you guys. Um, so I know me and Daniel are both really excited to talk about The House Among the Trees. Um, but before we do that, I thought it would be a good idea, if it's okay with you guys, um, we're going to talk about uh, kind of what got you all into horror, uh, maybe get to know you guys just a little bit better, um, and uh, sort of get a little background on uh, how this movie came to be in the first place. Um, so I know it's no secret to our listeners that me and Daniel are both huge fans of Letterbox and Letterbox reviews. Uh, so Blair, I think maybe like we can put you on the chopping block first and talk about you know some of your favorite horror movies and what got you into horror uh, in the first place. Yes, well, I am a proud Letterbox user as well, so that's uh, that's good to hear. Um, my favorite horror movie, I feel like it's a generic answer, but it's Scream, which has been my favorite nice. movie always. Like I've never had a different favorite movie. Uh, I could break down Scream all day, but more recently i've gotten more into like character driven slasher movies and when i was a kid i thought black christmas 74 and my bloody valentine 81 were super boring because it's all (laughs) about character and then probably over the past like five or six years i've become mildly obsessed with both of those movies and uh i think about them on a regular basis and they're probably the most influential movies into my on work over just about anything so that's probably my top three Scream my bloody Valentine Black Christmas. Isn't that crazy how like your relationship with those put like kind of movies will evolve over time as you become an adult and you start putting more thought into like you're like, man, the environment in which this movie came out in is completely different from the one that I'm working in now, but it's wild to contextualize that and have it influence your work going forward. Absolutely. And I think the older I get, the more interested I am in I guess more realistic movies. And not to say like anti-supernatural kind of stuff but movies that are kind of uh ground in reality and aren't as campy and silly which is odd coming from the guy who wrote where deer but <laughs> yeah we got to talk about where deer here in a second uh it's yeah I, I watched that and i had i had a good had a good time uh I'm getting through that this afternoon. It put me back in the holiday spirit again. I watched uh, Were Deer and 13 Slays Till Christmas, and I was feeling very, uh, oh, wow. very that's, Christmassy. Uh, that's quite uh, a double feature. Oh, yeah. It was yeah, are you, like a, are you like a holiday horror director? Do you find yourself uh, un- gravitating? Unintentionally. Unintentionally. Both those kind of fell into my lap. Uh, neither one was my idea, but uh, I like both for different 
different reasons, I should say. <laughs> uh, Tyler, what about you? What was the first your first experience with horror, like kind of growing up? Do you remember a particular movie that scared the pants off you when you were a kid or something? Uh, yeah. So what got me into horror was uh, my mother and my grandfather. Uh, I oh, think wow. the first like that I can remember the first like horror movie I saw was uh, you can take this for whatever you will. Uh, <laughs> Halloween Resurrection, actually. Nice. Uh, I, I think. And uh, my mom had showed it to me. I, I don't remember why, but ever since then, it kind of <laughs> stuck with me. Uh, but no, that is not my favorite. I will uh, I will say that right now. That is not my favorite uh, horror movie by any means. But uh, I will. I have to agree with Blair though on this. Uh, Scream is probably my favorite. Uh, that holds a really uh, deep place in my heart for sure. And uh, Kevin is just a genius writer, and uh, especially with that new movie. Uh, we'll have to talk about it a little bit later. But that oh, new yeah. movie that's coming out soon, I'm Sick. super excited to see. It's so good. I am pumped for the Legacy franchise sequels that are coming out this year. Um, but yeah, that's interesting that you both like kind of identify. Uh, so the idea of, of horror that is more grounded in reality and that kind of has its yeah. basis in the real world, right? Um, we covered uh, Hush recently by Mike Flanagan. Mm. And uh, mm-hmm. that was one where uh, if you watch the interviews with him and his wife, Kate Siegel, they talk a lot about um, the use of gore in their movies, but then also having them so grounded in a universe and uh, sort of fulfilling the, the realistic expectations that you have um, as an audience member thinking about like what somebody would actually do in those situations and then also having the violence play out in a way that's like a little more realistic and something that could actually you know perceivably happen um do you think that plausibility is something that also kind of like it appeals to you and like has influenced the movies that you're trying to make here uh for myself absolutely yeah uh Blair and I talk about this all the time actually Uh, and I think it's one reason why we get along super well is we want to make the same type of things and those things are more grounded in reality. When I mean, when Blair said that, like he's kind of born to the the realistic, you know, uh, stories and and whatnot. Uh, I could not agree more. <laughs> I, that's just that, there's something about, like you said, hush. That whole concept, like that, that could truly happen. And I think that's the stuff that really like scares me, you know. Um, and I think that's one thing why Scream stuck out to me so much. Like as funny as funny as like interesting as it is, watching some guy run around, you know, in the robe and all that. Like that really could happen. And and it was based off of some things uh, Kevin had based it off of like real events. So yeah, like that that stuff definitely sticks with me. Scream two, I think, or Scream and Scream two and Scream as well. They all have uh, sort of the characteristic feature of not only like revamping the slasher genre in the '90s, but also kind of inventing the whole idea of meta horror in the first place. The idea of like it seems like we talked about this when we had a screening of it over at the Texas Theater up here in Dallas um, a little while ago. Uh, and one of the great things about that movie and the second one particularly is we take for granted that this whole idea of like meta comedy and everything that kind of became really popular in the 2000s of like every joke being self-referential whether it's like the Simpsons or Family Guy or like any you know quippy Marvel character of all the superhero universe um, that started with those movies where it's you know it's Seth Green sitting on a couch and talking about like all of the rules of horror and the things that you don't do to make sure that you survive in a horror movie um, I'm definitely interested in that and how that affects like you know the meta as well of like new movies especially indie movies as uh you know we're going forward um like with the genre and everything i actually want to call attention to is uh i'm trying to remember exactly which film but there's um one of the ones that was specifically about filmmakers who had to make a film uh, on a deadline in fact um i think that's scream you know, three remember... you started... what you're talking about the scream franchise because uh the... yeah i think isn't it when... there yeah 
So in the third one, they start doing like they have the the movie set that they're working on for the like the in movie movie that is like a reflection of the events of the movie <laughs> itself. And the third one is when it gets like really crazy because the actors who are playing the real life characters in the movie start all becoming potential suspects of like to be the killer. It gets yeah, it starts folding up in and uh, on itself like several times, and it's yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. Um, no 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 no, sorry, I was thinking oh, of like Night a... Whispers. Oh how dare you! <laughs> <laughs> no, I just uh, I saw the I saw the two two sentence summary and I, I kind of watched some of the notes on it. And uh, as soon as you mentioned like you know people making movies about making movies, I immediately that, night whispers is what that is to my mind. for listeners who don't know. Uh, I made oh. my my, ve- my very first movie, uh, like period, was a satire of like indie horror film festivals, and it's essentially a like Zoom conversation anthology about yeah making shitty movies that get into you know film festivals and a lot of the issues that i had back in 2013 when we made that movie i still have now where it's <laughs> i feel like a lot of it's very lowest common denominator i was gonna ask after that movie uh did you get blackballed anywhere do you feel like maybe you uh poke somebody in the eye maybe oh there were people uh, uh we premiered in south carolina and there were people at the festival who were pretty pissed. Uh, <laughs> and I, I wasn't targeting specific pe- people. It was just kind of broad strokes about, you know, certain things that not even really bothered me on a deep level. I, I was just, we were busting balls. We were, you know, 20 <laughs> and trying trying to be like rabble rousers, I guess. And uh, you're like, if you yeah, identify like with would... any of these characters, that's your fault. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it's if, if I say, you know, people who make, movies without any real character development are if i say movies without character development are a lowest common denominator and you know not worth watching and you get offended by that that's like you saying my movies don't have character development (laughs) that's the way i saw it at the time Wow, so you've been in the game for a while. I wanted that kind of like uh, moves me into like our next, uh, the next thing I want to talk about, which is sort of how you guys found yourself, or how you initially got into the uh, the filmmaking industry, and sort of like what were your first forays into the business. I don't know if you're like Daniel over here, like if you went to film school or if you uh, went to film school out there in South Carolina or in Austin. Um, but yeah, you've been working in festivals since uh, for the past decade. It sounds like. Yeah. Uh, so I went to film school. Yeah, I went to film school in North Carolina at Western Carolina University. Okay. And. Uh, I mean, I was always, like, fucking around with the camera, but I'd never, like, made a movie until I went to film school. And film school was actually, like, super beneficial to me. I know a lot of people are really hard on it nowadays, where it's like, you don't need film school. Uh, I've worked with a lot of filmmakers in the past decade that need film school, let me tell you. So it's it's not right for everybody, and not every film school is a good film school. But for me, it was so beneficial. And uh, yeah, I I was very uh, lucky to have the group of people I was in film school with to kind of cut my teeth. Yeah. And I'm also curious about like maybe uh, uh, like Tyler, have you is it seems like you guys have a pretty awesome or pretty expansive crew out there uh, in Georgia to work with. Um, I look at the projects that uh, Blair's worked on and I was trying to find some more of uh, yours as well. But I see a lot of the similar uh, actors or the same actors showing up in a couple of these a couple of these projects as well as, uh, you know, writers and producers. Um, Is that is that something that's kind of going on out there right now? There seems to be like this whole indie horror filmmaking scene out there you know so 
we uh, we worked on a movie called Phantom Fun World, and uh, it was directed by Tori Jones, and that's where a bunch of us met actually. And so, uh, just we kept talking afterwards. Uh, as a matter of fact, probably within probably two or three weeks of wrapping up Phantom Fun World, I actually got a hold of Blair, and we kind of started this whole thing. That, you know, the house among the trees, and uh, we can talk more about that. But uh, yeah, so to answer your question, yeah, uh, everybody kind of lives around this area. So after Phantom, we all kind of we hit, we hit it off and we just, we wanted to keep creating. We wanted to keep, uh, keep uh, doing what we love doing. And so I uh, kind of started from there, but yeah, we kind of have like a little, little group kind of formed, I guess you could say. Do you have a, like within, within your group, do you all have like pretty codified roles or do you find yourselves like kind of like supporting each other, branching out into different things? Like, do you guys just use the same person as the gaffer? You have the same sound person? Like, what's the what's the uh, assemblage, per se? You, you know, uh, it's, it's funny. Literally, everybody has done a bit of everything. You know, like our buddy Jake, who also uh, is, was uh, first AD on The House Among the Trees, uh, he he's, he's directed a bunch of stuff himself. Uh, everybody does a little, little bit of everything. I mean, Jake has even done, you know, some sound. So, like I said, everybody's done a bit of everything. So we all, you know uh kind of have a have our hands in, in a bunch of different uh baskets but it kind of just depends on the project and you know what we're doing that's awesome uh and i think that was you were kind of like starting to get into talking about how uh this particular project sort of came to be right so um for yeah. those who don't know and who haven't seen our posts on social media the house among the trees uh eye for eye productions just released their trailer for house among the trees this week um so the, the synopsis for this one is uh, after three thieves break into a secluded house they accidentally discover a small town's dark secret um it looks like what we're getting into here is some sort of like slasher thriller mystery um with some neo-noir maybe like aspects to it and it looks really really cool um so how did how did you guys get together for this project? Uh, was this your first <laughs> collaboration or between the two of you at least? Uh, technically, yes. So we were, uh, <laughs> I'll just be honest. Uh, <laughs> Phantom Fun World was a, a really interesting production for us because we were up in Kentucky and like neither one of us had ever worked with anyone else on that shoot. Yep. And it, we were like in the middle of, nowhere and it was essentially like a food desert in a way and we were eating this dairy queen for like the seventh time that week <laughs> and tyler tyler pitched this idea he's like i want to make this movie about these three thieves and i was like all right and he was like you should be one of them like, you should act in this movie and i was like okay sure and as soon as that production ended he called me and we had a phone call about it and i was immediately like okay I'm in, but I have to write this thing because he didn't have a screen. He just had like a basic treatment for it. And uh, we got Jake on board, kind of threw around some ideas. It evolved a lot over the first like month of phone calls. Yeah. Like it was a lot of different things. And then ultimately, I think we settled on what the movie needed to be, which was this sort of like neo-noir thriller that sort of ventures in and out of the horror realm. Yeah, yeah, that that was a, a very inter interesting way to put it because th th this film is like it goes in so many different directions and it's so it's so fucking weird. I don't, I really, uh, I've had a couple of people ask me like, uh, "What's this movie about? How, how do you how do you describe <laughs> this movie?" And honestly, I don't have a very good answer, and I shamefully have to pull up the fucking synopsis because <laughs> I don't know how to explain this movie. It's it's so crazy. Um, it's it's like a like. It's like a, a modern crime, like horror 
film, I guess you could put it, put it as it's, it's super, super interesting. And a lot of that comes from, you know, Blair and the way he took the script, uh, Jake and I, uh, all three of us were, I think if I remember correctly, a lot of, uh, a lot of it would be us three on the phone, just kind of spitting ideas and whatnot. Um, and we'd kind of pitch Blair ideas and be like, Hey, can let's try to go this way or let's, let's, let's try to go this way. And we'd kind of let Blair just run with it and he'd come back and then we'd, you know, make adjustments here and there. Uh, but uh, Blair took it in, in a really cool in a cool direction in the end, and I, I seriously cannot wait for people to see it because I, I I genuinely like feel like this is something different than than what a lot is happening in the indie scene, and I, I'm just really excited about that. Yeah, in looking at just the the small clips that we've had so far, I get the, the vibe that there's like a, a big element of true crime to this movie as well. It's I mean, like we were talking about before, it seems like it's very very grounded in the real world. Um, are you are you able to tell us any more without spoiling anything or without spoiling too much? Um, what sort of like the arc of that story is in, in the House Among the Trees, or if it is inspired by any like real life true crime events, or if that's something that you guys are interested in? Uh, not super inspired by any like true crime events. I guess at the forefront, like I'm sure all of that, uh, you know, I'm interested in true crime stories yeah. in, in general. So I'm sure in the back of my mind, that's there. And Tyler and I talk about this a lot. I don't think we've ever publicly said this, but like, why not break it? The movie yeah, yeah, that kind of inspired this whole movie, Detroit Rock City, the movie about Kiss. Oh, shit. And I know that sounds like, what? Like, how is that <laughs> possible? And it's obviously not like a beat by beat retelling of Detroit Rock City or anything. Like they're not going to a concert, I promise. Yeah, yeah, it's not it, anything it, yeah. tonally and structurally, it's like not really there. But if you if you go in knowing that like we were very inspired by Detroit Rock City, you'll probably be able to pick up on uh <laughs> some of that. Yeah. 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 yeah that, that was the that was pretty much the movie that we used as sort of like a a beat by beat inspiration i guess uh I, like as a writer uh that didn't really come into play i i, I usually just kind of I, I don't like having a uh real idea of where the story's going when i sit down to write honestly i, I feel like it it kind of locks me into things and i'm not free to run wild well that being said i still think there's like you know like we talked about the uh, neo-noir sort of aspect of it i think that's very prevalent in the aesthetic as well um just in the trailer right i don't know if this is going to be a, uh, an element that is going to follow through into the movie but just the narration over the top of it right there's almost like this like coen yeah. brothers sort of style thing to it where you know and it's also a heist gone wrong so so there's like this really great term i've learned recently um uh, because it's such a it's like a micro they call it like a micro niche but it's called Hillbilly Noir. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with this at all. But I was you said like South you said like South Carolina. Um, and I was thinking about because they say like it's like uh like noir movies, but with like if rednecks were like the protagonists or something. And I was watching like the trailer for y'all's movie and I was just thinking about um gosh, like it's hard to there's a good example called there's a movie called The Death of Dick Long. Uh, which if you haven't Love seen, I, I highly, highly Love recommend. It. Yeah, yeah. One one half of the Daniels uh, going on a hot streak this year, but it's like his movie. Um, it, it's like absolutely bonkers about like three idiots who like one of them dies and they have to hide his best friend's body. But it's like they're all idiots and like the worst possible things happen. And it's just like these like very blue collar workers like trying to make it happen. Would you say like Hillbilly Noir is like kind of like a safe space for some of what this movie accomplishes? Like Hillbilly, Hillbilly Noir horror crime? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I would say for sure. 
Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, like, yeah, yeah. I feel like pretty much everything I've produced up to this point, because I mean, I've I've done a lot of uh, like ghostwriting and you know adapting other people's work before, and I don't feel like my background as like a North Carolinian is present in a lot of that. But for things that I kind of craft myself, it's pretty hard to avoid. And I've in the past like three or four years, I've really leaned into it more than ever. So I feel like there's a lot of like, you know, direct references to rural America, specifically the rural American South in this movie. And, you know, I mean, Wes is from Kentucky. Cullen's another North Carolina guy for the most part. So it, it's there. It's there for sure. So the accent you think there was not, a, not as silly yeah. as the death of Dick Long, but <laughs> hopefully just yeah. as compelling. Yeah. yeah, well, I was going to ask, like, Tyler, is there was there anything that, like, as you're going through the script, you're like, I don't understand this. Like, you, you need Blair to break anything down for you? Um, you uh, can lie. Say- you don't have to tell the truth either. <laughs> okay, I will say this. So I'm originally from Nebraska, and I moved out here just a couple years ago. So uh, I'm kind of getting a grasp for the area and how, you know, how things roll. But uh, I will say this. There's a certain, there's an, uh, certain scene in the film uh, where uh, Blair's character Corey is uh, ranting about uh, the uh, how do I put it uh, uh, about how, how much I hate Georgia. Yeah, pretty much how much he hates Georgia <laughs> and uh, and why. And uh, it, it's pretty great. And it, at that moment, I think I really uh, I uh, understood Blair's true uh, true feelings for this place. <laughs> yeah, I I actually hate Georgia. Is whatever I hate. Atlanta. I hate Atlanta. <laughs> I have Pro- tried probably... to get this school to move here and come join the group. We're all pretty much here and he will not budge. And <laughs> I would when rather the die. film permit like when you see it, you'll understand the scene I'm talking about. Cause you're you're so you're I, down in Austin I, permanently I, right now, Blair, or at least for the moment. Uh pretty so I'm in North Carolina presently, mm. but Austin's home. I, I love right. Austin. I moved there in twenty sixteen and that's like you know, my, my cultural home, I would say. Awesome. I mean, yeah, we're Texas boys ourselves here, so we're we're very familiar. Um, yeah, like I, I am interested in this idea, this thread, though, this idea of uh, of like Southern United States heritage also like and the hillbilly noir making its way into your movies. Um, we haven't mentioned, yeah, a couple of the other projects that we were, that you've worked on. Uh, you know, I was watching, like I said, before we started uh, recording, I was watching Where Deer earlier today. And uh, I feel like as a as a campy horror comedy romp, uh, that movie just like, I don't know, it tickled me in, in just the exact way, right way this afternoon. Uh, but there's definitely an element to that movie where it's just like the the banality of of having your your redneck hillbilly you know relatives uh, inserted into the middle of a of a horror movie plot that is just kind of amazing. It reminded me of like Tucker and Dale versus Evil or something uh, <laughs> along those lines. Well, thank you for watching that movie. It's uh, it's very very love it or hate it type of movie. I it, it's not something I would have ever sought out to make but it did kind of like the the other two producers were longtime friends of mine we went to film school together actually and they called me i was in austin they were in atlanta conveniently enough and they called me like hey you should act in this movie we're making called where deer and i'm like i'd rather fucking die that sounds horrible (laughs) they they sent me the screenplay for it which at that point was way different than what we ended up shooting and I was like, I mean, it was during COVID and 
it was basically like, okay, I can either sit alone in my apartment for seven days or go to South Carolina and hang out with my friends for a week. And so that's kind of what happened with that movie. But uh, yeah, like I, I did a revision on it. I, I don't really, I try to be a chameleon as a screenwriter, believe it or not. But ultimately, I feel like my DNA gets all over everything when I write too many words on it. So <laughs> it's, I'm probably pretty present in that movie. <laughs> Hey, it's Travis, uh, just jumping in here in the middle of the episode to say thank you for listening. And if you guys like what you hear, please feel free to tag us on social media at Scary Sunday Scaries. Uh, it's one of the best things you can do for the podcast. It really helps us get more followers uh, and interact with you guys. So we hope we hear from you guys soon. Thanks. Um, going back to the house among the trees. So I know that like at the moment we're in sort of the post-production uh, period for this film, right? Um, I saw that you guys had an Indiegogo up uh, for post-production sort of finishing fees. Um, what's the, do you guys, are you able to say anything about the progress on that? Or maybe do you have any conception about a possible date that this might, a finished product might come out of this? Yeah, so uh, we actually uh, didn't do a finishing funds, uh, but I can't answer the second question you had there. Uh, we're hoping within the next, I don't know, probably like, five months to be finished with the film and start throwing it out to festivals, honestly, and do a festival run with it. Yeah. Um, that was going to be my next question was, uh, basically, you know, are you, you have plans to basically submit it to festivals or did you, were there any, uh, intentions or any, has there been any talk about, uh, trying to get this distributed in any way? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, what's funny is like th- th- this being my first feature and, and every, uh, like direct directing wise, uh, this, this is a whole new thing for me and having Blair, having met Blair, like only like maybe six months ago, uh, I've learned a lot when it comes to, you know, uh, like the, uh, this side of things. And so uh, I'm also going to pass uh, about not over. getting fucked by shady distributors. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> icon. Well, I, I guess I'm just, I'm, an avid film festival goer. So I've never understood filmmakers who ignore film festivals. Hmm. I think it's such an important avenue to get your movie in front of eyes that it otherwise wouldn't. And nowadays, I think everyone's so... A lot of independent filmmakers specifically make a movie to make the next movie. And then they make that movie to make the next movie. And it's just this constant barrage of, you know, we got to make this movie, release it directly onto Tubi, and then move on to the next one. And I feel like they're leaving a lot of, uh, you know, opportunities on the table when you when you do things that way. And with House Among the Trees specifically... I really believe in this movie. I believe that we can have a, a nice long festival run and play some cool places that a lot of movies otherwise couldn't. And uh, yeah, we're, we're going to have a festival run for for yeah. certain. And uh, yeah. do you have like a couple of like favorite fe- like genre festivals, things that you personally enjoy or that you shout out that kind of like aspirational or at least that you just you just appreciate? Uh, the Chattanooga Film Festival is great. Um, I feel like during COVID, they saved my life by just pivoting to digital and being able to have this cool digital festival uh, during that era. My favorite film festival in the entire world, period, ever, is Fantastic Fest in Austin. Yeah. Um, yeah. Daniel was there this past September. I've gone oh, twice really? before. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I've I've been every year since 2016. We were both down there, but I was a wedding out in Dripping Springs, and so we couldn't. I couldn't make it to anything. I went. I was there opening weekend through like Wednesday. Um, and what a bonkers film festival that is! Like truly, like 
right? They knock it out of the park every single time. I like can't explain it. Every every year, the opening ceremonies, the opening events, I'm like, this is I don't I didn't expect this. It's it is the most fun week of the year every year for me, and I I really urge people to go because it's it seems like a very daunting you know kind of event to attend, but it's so worth it. And once you go, it's like. You know, you'll want to go again and again and again. And every year I try to like schedule around my September so that I can make it to Fantastic Fest. Hell yeah. Uh, talking about the festivals as well. Um, do you think that like the, you know, one thing I kind of want to tail off on here is uh, sort of the, the climate for the industry as a whole and for, you know, general audiences. Um, do you think that this is kind of a, a special moment for particularly for horror, which has sort of always been a great kind of historically a great inroad for um, indie and sort of up-and-coming filmmakers, um, both because of its accessibility as far as, you know, budgets go, um, but then also sort of the sort of the wide berth that audiences will give horror as far as like what is an acceptable horror film um, from your schlock campy comedies to you know things that you know the the, the phenomena of like the last couple decade and a half or so of like high you know elevated horror or you know like quote-unquote like sort of highbrow horror um, do you think that this is sort of a, a great time to be making horror movies in particular or is this some like are you just not going to make anything could you not stop yourself from making horror movies uh, because it's just a genre that's so attractive I mean, it's definitely a good time to be making horror movies in general, I feel like. Um, when I directed my first movie back in 20, we released it in 2017. And back then it was sort of like, you can put it on Amazon Prime and make a nickel every 4,000 watches. <laughs> or you can go to a distributor who's going to, you know, be like, if I sell 50,000 copies of this, then you can start making money or you distribute it yourself. And those were really the only options back then. And now, like, you know, using Weird Ear as an example, we shopped that around to distributors and ultimately realized we could make more money just putting it out ourselves and have thus far. So it's really not easy and it does require a lot of work and cool marketing and you know getting a poster created and all of that but it's definitely a lot easier to self-distribute now than it ever has before by a landslide even like four or five years ago it's easier now so and i, I think in general horror movies just have a not necessarily a wider audience but people who watch horror movies are more forgiving of budgetary restraints than right. any other genre right like, People who watch low budget action movies are probably like a much smaller <laughs> audience than people who watch low budget horror. Yeah, or low budget any other kind of movie. Like horror is one of the few genres it seems like his like I said historically where you can get away with that kind of thing where it's like even a, a low budget horror movie can still bring joy to people because of just the uh what what we're willing to accept with a horror movie. Um and I think that's one of the reasons we like the genre so much as well. Um to shout out real quick, you mentioned that first movie that you produced. Are you talking about uh, Happy Endings or a Rarity back in uh, 2017? Yes. Is there a place I saw that there it was a uh, momentarily on Mubi for a second. Is there a place where people can uh, stream that or get access to it? Uh so cur currently no. I've been just kind of slacking on it. Uh <laughs> I need to get it back. It was on Amazon Prime uh -huh. and then I in my opinion unjustly taken down due to content. It was like a content flag. Interesting. Which makes no sense. I mean, this is the same studio that released The Handmaiden. <laughs> like I don't know what was in my like little like indie haunted house movie but yeah i was curious about that because i was it, trying to find it to see that. if i could watch it before we talked today um but i couldn't find it anywhere um 
yeah, yeah it's well, not currently streaming anywhere i'm down to i think i have like 200 blu-rays left i think it's the last batch <laughs> and uh maybe i'll print more i don't know I, I i go through these weird stages of uh it drives everyone else around me insane but i go through these weird stages of like i want to put stuff out there and then like get rid of it and i've i've done that with a lot of shorts this year i've i've created a, quite a few shorts and we you know we show it at a single film festival and then that's it and no one else will ever see this i'm never going to release it and <laughs> i i know that drives people up the wall and they think i'm insane so yeah with happy endings i haven't decided yet it's it's sort of uh i'll pr i will probably get it on a streaming platform here soon but yeah awesome. I, can, I can send you a link if I was gonna send me a link. I want to check it out because I was I was looking for it earlier because I sure. saw the trailer and I was I was intrigued. This guy uh, watched Where Deer and <laughs> he's watched both movies I, in a single sitting. You got oh yeah, Thirteen Slays Till Christmas that, is fun, dude. That is crazy, dude. I don't know. I'm I'm kind of a masochist when it comes to watching stuff for the heck of it. Like we watch we watch, we watch a lot of stuff, so it's uh it's fun to do. Um, speaking of though, I want to talk about like so uh kind of going out on this uh on what we've been talking about. Uh, we'll definitely come back and plug uh, the house. In, uh, among the trees here before we stop talking, but I want to hear what you guys are excited to see in 2023. There's a lot of movies coming out this year. Um, I don't know if Tyler, if there's like anything in particular that you're looking forward to watching in theaters. I'm uh, pulling up my letterbox right now. Hold on. <laughs> I know one I got, that's coming out this month is a uh, cocaine bear. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> or next month, I guess. I, uh, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, okay. So the new, the new, uh, the Nosferatu movie, I haven't seen anything oh, about it, but I am yeah. stoked for that film. I heard a like, new whisper I'm, about that recently too. So uh, that's one that I'm stoked for. Uh, I'm curious to see about this new uh, the new Scream film being, you know, like I'm, I'm very curious to see how that goes. Yeah, Jenna Ortega's coming back for, uh, and it looks like it's the same crew, right? We got of the of the legacy franchise, you know, sort of sequels that are coming out this year. Um, yeah, it's a direct sequel to the the 2022 Scream, where but now this time in Scream Six, they're in New York, uh, so it's gonna throw a whole different wrench in all of the the machinations of those sort of twisty plots, right? Yeah, let's. I just want to ask you guys, as Scream fans, you know, you're you're seeing like the rebirth of Scream. Obviously, the next one, I think they said Neve Campbell's not coming back. Right. For this one um but what are your we're, we're kind of in yeah maybe she's a secret cameo we're kind of in like uh a, a new phase uh what uh how are y'all feeling about the new screen i guess that's my real question so i i take a i take a very unique stance on a lot of these legacy sequels i think story should always move forward and i'm curious to see where it goes next i thought Sydney was written off so beautifully in Scream 5. I don't know why people want her back. I thought that was the perfect <laughs> way to say goodbye to that character. You don't, Not every character in a horror movie needs to be killed off to be written off. Right. And yeah. I feel like Sydney's entire arc is that she's a survivor. So if you keep her around, she's going to keep killing Ghostface movie after movie after movie. And eventually, if it hasn't already in your mind, that's going to get old. So I think passing the torch the way they did was really smart. And then moving it to a different state with an entirely different environment than like, you know, rural suburban America. I'm really curious to see what it is, I should say, because I feel like radio silence in general, I find are very interesting filmmakers. Oh yeah. And I'm sure they have a, un I I'm sure they have a unique story. I will say. So I'm, yeah. I'm really curious to see. I love their movies. I think Ready or Not might be like one of my favorite movies that's come out in the last decade. Uh, it's an amazing one. It's so good. So good. 
I was going to say, Blair, as far as legacy franchises and uh, doing what people will with characters, I know that you're a big fan of the David Gordon Green uh, Halloween trilogy, right? Yeah, oh, those are I. Halloween Ends is my favorite Halloween movie, and I know that is oh, like. Let's go. Okay. I, I might have oh, peeped yeah. your. I might have peeped your Halloween movie rankings on Letterbox, and uh, that 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 was one that fascinated <laughs> me. Was you put all three David Gordon Green movies uh, above any of the uh, classic uh, Halloweens? People think I'm trolling. They think I'm. <laughs> they think it's like a big joke that I love Halloween Ends. I went into that movie expecting to hate it which i right. i loved halloween 2018 and i loved halloween kills but it's like i this copycat killer thing like is this really gonna work and then like 10 minutes in the movie i'm like okay i like this where this is headed and then 30 minutes in the movie i'm like looking over at my friend who had the same like mindset going in and we're like this is great and then it just progressively was like more and more my shit I should say. And <laughs> I I really liked it the first time I saw it. I liked it more the second time I saw it. And now it's just become this movie that hasn't left my mind since last October. And I'm just like consistently thinking about it. And I'm like, not only this might be like my favorite movie. Like it might grow <laughs> to be my favorite. Movie. I know wow. that sounds insane. Yeah, ha- Halloween part four might be my favorite movie, essentially. <laughs> uh, I understand, but it's that movie cares so much about character and more importantly than that does not care what a bunch of like 50 year old people want a Halloween movie to be. Yeah. Like it's all about moving on. Yeah. And I think that like that's obviously present when we did our episode on it. I know Daniel and I were talking about it. There's a lot of really interesting things in that movie that like, like the ideas in that movie, I think are some of the most unique of any, you know, a lot of the Halloween movies of the entire franchise um, with the, yeah, with the character of Corey and like where they take him and stuff. Um, it was definitely a really interesting one to see. Um, and talking about David Gordon Green, have you guys heard the news about the idea that he's going to be remaking, uh, he's going to be creating a, basically a direct sequel to the original Exorcist movie that's coming out this year as well? Yes. Um, with Danny McBride. Mm-hmm. Danny McBride's also a part of that. So yeah. I, Christopher Nelson, we'll Nelson see. I mean, back doing all the effects and everything too, so. I'm very excited. I like I'm, David Gordon Green as a filmmaker, and I'm pumped to see what he uh, what he does with that. Um, also, in the camp of the uh, legacy franchise sequels, uh, I'm sure you guys have all seen the trailer for Evil Dead Rise by this point. Uh, what do you guys think of that one? That looks wild. I think that was Evil good. Dead 2013 is my favorite one. So a lot of people, I've heard um, that take. Yeah, I'm more in the vein of that. Yeah, it definitely looks like it has the same energy as the 2013 Evil Dead, which was uh, yeah. like I'm I'm I have Sam Ra- I have a huge affection for Sam Raimi and for the original movies, and I think uh, as a filmmaker and as a, as a director, he's one he's some he's one of the most inspiring people like as far as the industry goes, um, just the course of his career, um, and those those first three the the original trilogy just have a special place in my heart, uh, but I I loved what they did with the 2013 one as far as making it so much scarier and just making it much more visceral and that seems like exactly what they're doing with this uh this brand new movie that's coming out this year i saw the trailer for it and if you go to see um we saw megan in theaters and i remember we saw i uh, saw megan with my girlfriend and uh the uh the trailer that they show is the pg-13 trailer for evil dead rise and uh so when we got home i immediately had to show my girlfriend the r-rated trailer because i was like oh no this isn't uh this isn't doing it for me right now i gotta show you how scary this movie <laughs> is actually gonna be um, yeah, and that movie looks awesome. And then, lastly, uh, maybe like Infinity Pool too. So, uh, Baby Cronenberg, uh, Brandon is going to be making this movie with uh, the brand new, the new Scream King, Scream Queen, Mia Goth, right? And the uh, maybe the sexiest of the Scarsgards, Alex Scarsgard is going to be in there. Um, that's coming out later this month, actually. I think we're going to probably cover it. I'm super excited to see that one. What do you think about that one, Daniel? 
I don't, you know, you said Alexander Skarsgård is the sexiest, but I, you know, I, I'm on the fence. I actually think he's the least interesting of the Skarsgårds. Like, I think Bill, <laughs> like, I would pay decent money to go on a dinner date with Bill, and I would pay more money to play ball with Stalin. Like, I feel like he would be my dad. Like, I want to be my dad. Just you know? play catch with him <laughs> and have him like give you like all of these like you know deep like theological. He- I don't know. What I really want is to go like ten, like I just want to do like a ten round of impressions with Stalin. Just give like pitch him people to like do impressions of, and just kind of like throw everything at him and see what happens. Like I feel like he would just not do it. Like he's just not interested in that, <laughs> um, which has nothing to do with Infinity Pool. So I apologize in advance for going down the Scars Guard rabbit hole. That was um, a hole I'm always willing to go down. But you know, we 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 affectionately call him Baby Cronenberg on this podcast uh, because like because his father you know the the og cronenberg um is kind of a, a a little bit lost on the like the new generations like gen z and stuff um especially with his earlier works obviously he's getting kind of a second life with you know crimes of the future but a lot of people are coming to him through the work of his son and through like what we call baby cronenberg so i'm like very who is excited. 42 years old <laughs> but, right that makes who's me feel older. not a baby <laughs> But it's just fascinating to me that like people are kind of doing a reverse. I, I call it a reverse Cronenberg, where they start with the young and go to the old. Um, and so, like, I love that fans kind of get to deep dive and see the the legacy uh, filmmaking, not just legacy films. Yeah, it's awesome. And Infinity Pool looks like, uh, you know, as far as on the on the topic of like you know psychological horror that we've been covering for the past couple of months, um, this definitely looks like one that's going to melt your brain a little bit. Uh, it looks pretty scary. And Mia Goth is in there playing another one of her crazy unhinged characters. She's definitely <laughs> inherited that role as as the brand new scream queen. Uh, she's uh, she seems to change a lot with a lot of these different roles. But between the two Ty West movies that came out this year, last year, um, and then even before that, with like Suspiria or um, oh, what was the other movie that she was in that like really stuck in my brain? Uh, apparently not. Um, but yeah, this this looks like sort of an uh, like an on ramp onto her Maxine performance, I guess that might be coming out this year as well. Um, which I I think is funny too. Is like I don't know how Blair and Tyler feel, but like when it comes to creating horror. Um, I'm always impressed at, bo- at both the Cronenbergs at what just is like the most shocking body horror, like some of the most gruesome and like bizarre, like wince inducing images. And I'm like, I, I, at a certain point, I just give up. I'm like, I, I will never be able to think of something <laughs> like this. Like, do y'all ever like watch some of that stuff? And you're like, man, if only we thought of like X, Y, Z, you know? Yeah. David Cronenberg is one of my favorite filmmakers, but he's very much, especially his like, horror stuff which i my favorite Cronenberg movie is a history of violence but the horror stuff he was doing pre-1990s is so abstract and out there that it's like my brain would never go to the brood and like what's going on in the brood like my like that's just not something that i would ever conceptualize in any way even though i love that movie but yeah it's it's one of those like there are certain filmmakers where it's like fuck i should have thought of that and then there are people where it's like i never would have thought of that so but yeah Cronenberg is one of the guys but uh, i do have something to add real quick so as we were uh live i got a notification and uh so we uh basically where we shot the house among the trees was on this guy's property uh i met him maybe a year ago uh hit it off and we all kind of became friends well, uh, when the, when we started filming, we uh, needed we, we needed a place to you know shoot, and so we hit up this guy There's Larry. A whole story. And, uh, <laughs> just wait, the, 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 you, your jaw's gonna hit the floor in about forty five seconds. He just tagged me in a post, and he said, 
a tornado just went through Atlanta and leveled all of it. Whoa. So he goes, he goes, check out where we filmed. All the buildings survived. The house among the trees is undamaged, but just about every tree around it was knocked over. So every, you'll see in the film, but every, every building somehow survived, but he goes every single tree. So he goes, we can still film a sequel, but it's just going to have less trees to be among. (laughs) The house no longer (laughs) among the trees. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, there's like photos and it is like, crazy you'll have to go you have to go see it blair it's unbelievable actually whoa that's crazy well i guess yeah. you guys got oh, lucky wow. i thought you were gonna say his whole entire property was destroyed holy shit uh, well basically you, you'll Which, see it here. to to be clear those houses might have fallen over <laughs> any moment yeah. just a stiff we, breeze we were, we were shooting that when we were shooting there's this uh there's this scene where uh we're outside and uh this isn't too spoiler, but there's like a it's like a bonfire scene basically what happens and uh we have a few characters that are around there and uh we're sitting there filming right and uh i, I don't know if we got it uh during the take or not but all of a sudden we hear this like and then and then all of a sudden this massive tree lands on one of the uh houses we were shooting at jesus and uh it was pretty ridiculous so really. i this this isn't much of a spoiler so cullen and i are duct taped to chairs during this and if this tree had fallen towards us it's Instead of away from us, we would be dead right now. We would not be having yeah, a yeah, conversation. Yeah. Oh my god. I forgot. I didn't even think about that. I just remember hearing the crack and everybody going, heads up, and you guys are just sitting there in these chairs. <laughs> oh yeah, we're oh we're god. dead. There it did it didn't fall in the other way. And like we're like both unconscious. So we're like our eyes are closed. It would, it would have been a wrap. <laughs> that's wild yeah what are like one of the cursed sets that people will talk about for like decades i, I mean honestly it might have gotten you more press like i don't know after that which is macabre but like oh, yeah. we, there, there were enough cursed sets moments on this movie for uh yeah yeah <laughs> we, we didn't need a death yeah there were plenty that's wild yeah it was uh yeah it was pretty interesting real quick uh before we uh yeah. go i wanted to just mention what you guys' thoughts were but uh speaking of cursed films i guess uh to segue into that but uh yo the new crow film coming out with bill Skarsgård. oh yeah thank yeah, you i forgot about that the, the one true scars guard yeah the one true <laughs> I, heard, I heard they just wrapped production so i uh i'm looking forward to seeing whatever we can see from have there been soon. any photos of him with like the makeup like man that's gonna be fucking terrifying dude of all the people oh to God. cast in that role to be able to put that face on that's gonna be that's gonna be metal as hell uh i know i'm, I'm stoked and I'm, I'm glad they finally uh are able to like make this happen because I feel like they've fucking tried to do this so many times and nothing's come from it. Maybe it was a blessing all along. I don't know, but I, I I'm stoked to see another uh, interpretation of the crows. That's one of my favorite movies. Before we leave, um, so you guys obviously um, you can follow uh, the production company, right? I for I Productions uh, on social media platforms. Uh, it's I the number four and then I Productions, right? Uh, on Instagram. Um, if we want to follow. Um, to look for updates on the house among the trees where's the best place to look for those uh either facebook uh, the facebook page we have uh the house among the trees film or uh, on our instagram i for i productions awesome and if anybody wants to follow you guys personally do you want to give out your personal instagrams or plug anything else i already just a heads up i already follow blair and i'll find you tyler on letterbox because yeah, i gotta i gotta see these rankings <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i need to follow i'm tyler can attest this i'm horrible at social media it's one of my New Year's resolutions to do better with social media. So I'm at Blair underscore Hoyle on everything or just Blair Hoyle when there aren't like ats <laughs> on those <laughs> websites. I, I think I'm the only Blair Hoyle. I don't think there's another one. So you can find me. And uh, yeah. I'm always down to talk movies. So yeah, awesome. then, uh, mine is uh, at Tyler Horner with two R's in Tyler. So 
Awesome. Well, dude, so, thank you guys for so much for joining us. We're going to keep an eye out uh, for the House Among the Trees uh, as we get more and more updates for the rest of this year. I'm really looking forward to seeing that one, uh, however it gets released, either at a festival. Maybe we'll uh, hang out at Fantastic Fest here coming up this September. We can all get together out there if we can get Daniel back from L.A. Um, for, uh, for, uh, for a weekend there or something. Um, but I, also, yeah, I will be you. there for sure. <laughs> Um, thank you guys again for talking with us. Uh, again, this is uh, Blair Hoyle and Tyler Horner. Uh, they're from the Eye for Eye Productions, uh, and they're working on The House Among the Trees. This is going to be out hopefully uh, later this year. Um, so look forward to that, and we'll talk to you guys again once that does come out, and we'll do a full in-depth analysis of it. Sounds great, guys. Thanks for, sure. so much. Thanks for having us, guys. Yeah, Sounds thank you. Sunday Scaries.